Welcome to When Opportunity Knocks, where each week we bring you the story of a woman who saw an opportunity and turned it into success. Join us as we dive into how she did it and the lessons we can all apply in our own business and life from her experience. And today, my guest is Denise Noble. And Denise is the founder of HR Engineers, in addition to being a senior human resources consultant. She works with small businesses to help them do all the things they need to do around people from a compliance standpoint, as well as a talent and motivation standpoint. Denise, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much for having me on the show, Nancy. So tell us a little bit about you, your personal story. What career events led you to see an opportunity to start HR Engineers? Okay. Well, I had uh, been doing some bookkeeping and uh, payroll in my first few jobs, and then um, I got involved with starting and managing several family and personal personally owned businesses um, over a stretch of time where I was kind of doing everything from ordering supplies to sending people out on the road to do different assignments to, you know, all the hiring, processing the payrolls and doing the books and, um, and, and like those type of positions and then, um, transitioned uh, back into working for other people and doing payroll and HR for medium-sized company and uh, then eventually a Fortune 500 company. And um, when the department uh, was downsized and the contract I had with them ended, um, a friend uh, prompted me to uh, try this business. She had visioned uh, something similar with um, a partner of hers that was in bookkeeping, and there's a lot of bookkeepers that are out there that kind of uh, work on this model. And she was like, well, HR could work on that model too. And um, <laughs> I, since you don't <laughs> have a job right now, why don't you try it and let me know how it goes? <laughs> so I... <laughs> So, anyways, I, I thought about it a little bit, and um, you know, being no stranger to running my own business, it um, wasn't that uh, daunting to think about doing. But um, it was a new concept uh, that not that many uh, people are out there doing this and doing it in the in the way that we do it, um, and so it's been um, over five years, and we've got a lot of uh, different people we've met out there and people we've been able to help and it's really been a good uh, a good run and uh, we're enjoying ourselves and we're making a difference so that's great I love the way your friend uh, saw the vision but then wanted you to take all the risk (laughs) 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 so just out of curiosity what is your friend doing right now uh, she is still uh, she's working in HR uh, directly for another company. She has not um, yet retired. So in- interesting. Uh, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it's um, 
it's an interesting uh, way of life, and being an entrepreneur is fun. And I think once you get the bug, it's very hard to go back and work for someone else. But it's equally as hard to jump off and become an entrepreneur and take that risk. So hats off to you for doing that. So you work with small business owners. And what do you think are the top gotchas around HR for, for small business owners who don't have an HR professional on staff, which I would imagine is many of them? Right. Well, um, I would say for men. For many, it's you know the employment laws. The employers may not be abiding by the laws. They might not be aware of them. And um, but conversely, quite as often, I see employers giving um, considerations and benefits that they don't need to be um, giving because the employees, you know, might have a couple of catchphrases and say, you know, you. Um, you have to do this because of this, that, or the other thing. And the poor employer is so overwhelmed that, you know, he knows he's heard the phrase before, and he doesn't have the time to check it out. And uh, we've actually saved money, uh, saved employers money just by sitting down and having an initial first talk with them. <laughs> so uh, so that's, um, that's something that... Uh, is the other side of it. A lot of people think, oh, my goodness, you know, HR people are going to come in here and they're going to cost me a fortune. But um, I say in a lot of times we uh, do not cost them more. <laughs> they end up paying less and profiting more. And, um, you know, sometimes employers will get cajoled into giving special consideration to certain employees and then, you know, not having written policies and procedures in place um, or having an HR professional as a sounding board prior to giving special considerations. You know, there's times to bend the rules, and then there's times when it can really get out of hand. So just having uh, someone else to run those uh, weird situations by is uh, helpful. I would think so, very helpful. Can you give us an example of one of the perks or benefits that somebody might have been uh, – sort of coaxed into giving that they didn't have to? Sure. There's a couple of them. I just uh, have a new client that I sat down with, and we were talking about um, the meal breaks and lunch breaks. And, you know, he said, and, of course, we have to give the two 15-minute coffee breaks a day each day, and um, we have to pay for those. I'm like, no, you actually do not have to give two 15-minute coffee breaks. You only have to give the one lunch hour break. And he was like, oh, my father's in business. He told me that. I'm going to go tell him, too. So, oh, great. Um, it was really funny. And then a lot of people um, have gotten caught up with employees that have um, – that need to take time off, and there is a Family Medical Leave Act, uh, which gives people quite a bit of time off. However, it doesn't kick in unless you already have 50 employees and the particular employee has been with you for 12 months. So sometimes um, I've had uh, stories of employers that have been bullied into keeping jobs open um, for an employee that needs to take time off, and the employer really can't afford to keep that job open. 
and uh, actually didn't need to because they mm-hmm. they were not at that fifty point threshold. So those are some of the things that um, we've <laughs> we've found happening out there. Wow. Now, do those types of things vary greatly from state to state? Uh, some of them do, yes. Um, the um, Like the, the coffee break two, example? The coffee break doesn't, I mean, unless, and I will tell you, the one thing I'm not an expert on is California employment law. California, mm-hmm. they might have coffee breaks. But... Um, as far as I know, there is not a state that mandates coffee breaks. Um, you're expected to give reasonable breaks for people to use the restroom or something like that, but there mm-hmm. is no, that's not stated. That actually comes from unions. A lot of unions have the 15-minute breaks. Um, Interesting. But it's yeah. not in employment law. And the federal med- and the uh, Family Medical Leave Act is a federal law as well, and that so that does not take uh, point. I mean, we do have a small emergencies uh, law in Massachusetts where um, employee employees can take um, up to three days for little family things, and then we do have the Sick Leave Act that they can also take time out for taking care of different their own health needs and family health needs as well. Um, and, and those things, and sometimes the lunch hours, how long it is, it uh, changes from state to state, but not state that State to state, yeah. Much. Yeah. Well, you know, a big problem today is motivating employees, and we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back from the break, let's talk about Um, how to motivate employees, and we'll be right back. If you are a woman who struggles in a business world that keeps your earnings lower than they should be and doesn't support the success you want, no matter how long and hard you work, then I would like to speak with you. Hi, I'm Nancy O'Keefe, and as an executive coach, I'm on a mission to help women maximize their earning potential and create a business life that serves them. You know, success is unique to each one of us, and cookie-cutter career and business models don't give most of us what we want and need. I help women just like you develop their own style of success and learn how to find more opportunity, increase their earning power, and create a business life they love. I'd love to speak with you. Sign up for a free Love Your Business Life consultation with me at www.nancyokeefecoaching.com and let's schedule a time to talk. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. One of my mottos for business owners is, you can't do it alone. Whether you're in the startup stage of your business or you're scaling, you can't grow without relationships to provide support, wisdom, and new customers. eWomen Network is your home to connect with other women entrepreneurs who've been where you are or are experiencing the same challenges. 
We have chapters across the U.S. and Canada that have monthly events featuring our trademarked process called Accelerated Networking to ensure you get the contacts, resources, and leads you need to grow your business. And once you become a member, you get many benefits, including two one-on-one coaching sessions, unlimited access to our membership database, your own personal profile page, and discounts on products and services with our business partners, such as UPS and American Express Open. Join the eWomen Network community and let us help you live your dream. For details, visit eWomenNetwork.com. Welcome back. You're listening to When Opportunity Knocks. I'm your host, Nancy O'Keefe, and I'm here with Denise Noble, who is the owner, founder of HR Engineers and a senior human resources consultant. And Denise, I hear a lot of buzz around not being able to motivate employees today. What advice Mm -hmm. would you give small business owners around that? Sure. I think um, a lot of it comes from, you know, looking at what um, what the company mission is first. Um, if you don't know exactly what you're about, it's very hard to communicate that vision and let the employees know, you know how they're part of it. So um, that's one of the big things, uh, to, you know, the real strong starting point. And then after that, I think um, programs where there's Peer recognition, where the employees actually vote on the you know best employee of the week or the month, and um, having regular team meetings where you sit down with the team, uh, you know, at least once a week and get input so everyone kind of knows what everyone else is doing. They know what the bigger goals for the week or the month are and what the plan is to get those things done. Um, We also encourage um, monthly supervisor meetings. Um, uh, Those should be focused um, not on, you know, dressing the employee down in in private, but uh, focusing on assisting the employee to do their best and um, grow their value in the company. And... um, grow also in a direction they want to grow in and discussing what's going well and where improvement or clarification may be needed. Um, really keeping the communication open is, I think, very important. And then understanding what, you know, what each member contributes to the whole is, is really important. And um, also understanding um, what different members of your team are doing and kind of why and how that all fits together helps. Um, with new team members, we definitely recommend that you do one-on-one meetings um, for them with each team member so that they can get to know people um, a little bit better. And um, performance bonuses, if they're practical, are very motivating. And uh, another thing is getting involved with um, charities that have some kind of challenge-type uh, dynamic to them, whether it's, you know, the ice bucket challenge or, um, you know, run, running a marathon or, you know, collecting something and how much can you collect. 
those mm-hmm. things all kind of um, you know, help people really um, get motivated and stay connected. Feel like a part of something. Sounds like that's an important yeah. piece. Yep. Yeah. And, and interestingly enough, I didn't hear you say anything that cost a lot of money, which is really good news for our small business owners. Yeah, well, I think I think that comes from my uh, Scott's grandmother. I uh, usually try and find things that do not cost a lot, and um, you know we might talk about that a little bit more later. But I tend to have a whole bunch of things in the back pocket to pull out and <laughs> say that don't. Well, cost that's a lot. that's really important because I hear a lot of small business owners that I work with talk about you know not being able to keep up with larger organizations they don't have the budget to do things but you know you're you're mentioning things here that really don't cost a lot other than you know small amounts of money for maybe employee recognition or something and i think that's very important so let's let's talk about um pay equity for a minute uh and money because money always comes up around people so what would you say about motivation and money and also what what about pay equity okay well the um as you're probably aware in massachusetts uh we are now uh having a new law called an act to establish pay equity that is going into effect on um july 1st of next year and so um the new law uh is set to prevent pay discrimination for comparable work based on gender. And the bill allows employees to freely discuss their salaries with coworkers, prohibits employers from requiring applicants to provide their salary history before receiving a formal job offer, and it authorizes the employee uh, the attorney general to issue regulations interpreting and applying the expanded law. So with the new law coming into effect, companies are going to have to really look at who's doing what jobs in the company and making sure that they don't have um, a discrepancy between what they're paying a male worker and what they're paying a female worker for the same job. That sounds like it could be a nightmare for some companies. Yeah, it it can be. Uh, and traditionally, uh, there's been surveys on, you know, contradicting whether um, there is pay discrepancy or there is not. And what I found from being in the industry is a lot of times when when people are first doing the hiring, there is not as likely to be a discrepancy. But over time, um, men tend to ask for more money, and women expect to be quite, you know, quietly rewarded for their efforts. And that mm-hmm. dynamic uh, doesn't uh, doesn't work. And so, this kind of gets um, past that dynamic and. You know, it uh, is really going to make uh, business owners compare apples to apples. And so if you're paying someone more, you're going to have to demonstrate what is the criteria for paying them more. Do they have more education? And that it, 
and that education has to pertain to the particular job. It has to be of value. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, are they actually producing more or are they producing, you know, areas that better quality? And um, so those type of things are all going to be subject to being examined. Um, Employers will not be able to ask for a past um, salary information Mm -hmm. any longer. And uh, so that you really need to be looking at what the pay scale should be for a particular job and then having solid um, criteria for increases and then, um, of course, job um, descriptions with the performance evaluations are going to play a big part in being able to demonstrate that there is uh, pay equity. Mm. Now, is um, seniority or length of service a a criteria for paying one person more than another? Yes, it will be. It is a criteria. However, I would say you want to kind of look at that so that it's stepped reasonably. You don't want to say, okay, we're paying... You know, John's been here 10 years, so we're paying him $50,000 for the job. And Mary's been here eight years, so we're paying her, you know, uh, 40000 for the same job. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got to be, you know, maybe that, you know, <laughs> Mary's at uh, 45 and Jim is, and John is at 47. You've got to, you know, not, you can't go back and say, well, you know, we're okay because he's been here longer and have that big of a discrepancy in the um, in the pay step. It's It's got to be a reasonable mm-hmm. amount. And I, I think transparency is a great thing, but I can see where it could cause some problems for business owners. I remember a time I wasn't a business owner. I worked as a manager in, in another business, but there was uh, basically a, a fight in the break room <laughs> because two employees <laughs> were talking about what they each made and one made like such a small amount more than the other one, like $10 a week or something. And they were basically fighting about it, you know, arguing didn't come to blows, thank goodness. But how are, you know, this could, this could become very problematic and I would think a huge demotivator over something as small as, you know, 5 or $10. W- what are your thoughts on that? Um, it does have the, the potential, although the potential is already there. Um, em- uh, employees are allowed to speak, you know, to talk about their compensation. You, they cannot be stopped from, from doing that. Um, and... I, Really having you know your your ducks in a row so that people know what they need to do to get to the next step and you know performance value you know, performance evaluations really setting up a system where you're paying for what the employer what the employee contributes in value to the company and be able to document that, you know, having an open door policy. So if somebody, you know, 
discovers someone else is getting an extra $10 a week, they can come in and sit down with the supervisor or your HR person, and they can sure, you know, be shown what where right. the difference is. And um, then it's, you know, incumbent on the employee to ask, what do I need to do to get there? But there does have to be a clear reason somebody's getting more money than someone else, and that's a lot of it's going to be doing your performance evaluations on a regular basis. Um, and we did talk about the uh, seniority. One of the other things that this law um, does is you cannot um, deduct uh, time from seniority for uh, pregnancy-related um, absences or family medical leave issues um, or maternity or paternity leave or things like that. So there are certain things that can no longer be deducted from the seniority. Mm, that's a good thing. Yeah. Awesome. Now, this, just to point out, this law is a Massachusetts um, statute, but, you know, if it's successful, who knows, um, it could end up occurring in other parts of the country as well. I'm not sure if you know whether other states have these kinds of laws on their books or not, but uh, it wouldn't no, be the uh, first than... time Massachusetts paved the way for something. <laughs> right, yeah, and that's usually when I'm talking about the Massachusetts laws. I say, you know, other other states should get their ducks in a row um, if Massachusetts or California comes out with something because it will start to extend. And I see this um, probably extending. It's written um, on a gender bias basis, but... I can see it very, very quickly morphing into other um, types of of bias, um, you know, age discrimination and mm. ethnic and race and, um, you know, several other protected classes. And um, I, w- I would say we would definitely see that coming very quickly on the heels of, of this. Um, because you can't do this kind of auditing and <laughs> looking that deeply um, into a company without um, look, you know, seeing those issues, too, if they're there. Sure, sure. And we, we all know age discrimination happens. It's, you know, even though we have laws on the books, there are still situations where if you're over a certain age and you are looking for a job, it's tough out there. It's tough. Yes, it is. Well, we're coming up on another break, and uh, you mentioned performance reviews. When we come back from the break, I'd like to talk in a little bit more detail about those. Uh, Sometimes we don't see them happening in small business, so let's talk about what you should be doing and all that when we return from a break, and we'll be right back. You can be the best at what you do and still not find the success you want if your ideal clients can't separate you from your competition. So how can you stand out? You need a sustainable, competitive advantage that gets clients' attention. When it's hard for clients to differentiate you from others that do what you do, you need to help them see you as the best choice. I call it a superpower. And the good news is, everyone has one. So contact me, Nancy, at nancyokeefecoaching.com 
to learn how you can discover your superpower and stand out from the crowd. I'm looking for a certain kind of woman, and I think you know her. She's an entrepreneur that is highly connected, successful, significant in her own industry, and considered the go-to woman in her community. She's received so much from so many women in business, she's ready to give back to others on their journey, lifting as she climbs. Hi, this is Sandra Yancey, and I'm the founder and CEO of eWomen Network. I'm looking to connect with the woman I've just described who lives in your community so that we might have a conversation about how eWomen Network's proven success system can provide her a platform to elevate her success and ability to support women in business. Our international community of managing directors are influencing the speed of success for women in business around the world. If that sounds like something that you want to be part of or know someone we should talk with, send an email to managingdirector at eWomenNetwork.com. That's managingdirector at eWomenNetwork.com. And let's start the conversation. Welcome back. This is Nancy O'Keefe. You're listening to When Opportunity Knocks. My guest today is um, Denise Noble. She is the founder and owner of HR Engineers. She's a senior human resources consultant, and she's enlightening us about some of the issues around being an employer as a small business owner. And we've touched a little bit, Denise, on performance reviews. Let's talk in more detail about them. My experience as a management consultant is they don't really seem to happen in a lot of small businesses. What should small business owners be doing, and what would you say to them about that process and how they might find it useful to them to them as owners? Sure. I think one of the things that um, you know, small owners don't quite realize is that there are things that are out there that, you know, the corporate world does that are, um, you know, and they kind of see that as, well, I don't have to do that because I'm small. But when what we try and teach is, yes, you're small, you have very few opportunities to make mistakes with your employees. <laughs> There's fewer shoulders everything is resting on, so you want to make right. sure that all those shoulders are strong and um, well-managed. So, yeah, and performance reviews is one really great tool in HR that um, is important. It's actually more vital, I would say, in smaller companies. You have to give that feedback, and you have to be clear about your expectations when we talk to business owners about performance reviews, we usually um, set it up so that their job description and the performance review mesh so that they are reviewing on exactly the criteria that's on the job description. So that it's very clear to um, each side what the expectation is and what is being Measured, and a lot of times, so a lot of people like a one to five schedule. I recommend a one to ten point schedule, um, just because it's easier to get down to some of the fine points. Mm-hmm. And um, it 
um, and it gives you a track record so that you know who's um, who's really performing on uh, up to the job descriptions. Uh, sometimes you have some people that are very quiet and they and they do a lot of work, and then you might have an other person who's boastful, loud, and unable to get much done, um, but it's always promoting themselves. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. You know, if you don't. Stop and really take um, a good look at what's going on and have a way to quantify it and qualify it. Um, you can be you know, having people that are not carrying their weight, or conversely, you can have people that are you know, doing their job and going along, but you, know, you don't know that um, they could be doing a lot more for the company. And they don't know mm-hmm. that there might be opportunities where they could do more. And so um, I think having, you know, clearly defined and written goals and objections um, and prog- progress and tasks that you can check that are being completed are very important. Um, job standards and measurements to review. and. On doing them, I would say you should also have like a biannual or quarterly check-in sessions um, that kind of review the performance review. The performance evaluation process should probably be done once a year, and mm-hmm. but that should not be the only time that you talk to your employee about um, their performance and their their job, and it would be good to um, check those out. And, you know, getting coaching I, uh, on how to do them if you haven't done them before is um, usually a good uh, first step. Also, we like to encourage our clients to let the employees do a self-evaluation, and I think mm-hmm. that yeah. is really, really important, and they would do that prior to the supervisor sharing the um, employment, the evaluation that they've done. And that way, I think you get a lot, you see a lot coming from the employee as far as what they see their performance. And if you've got a big discrepancy, uh, then you've you know, you've got something to talk about. Right. My experience is they're always very hard on themselves. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of times they are. Very hard on themselves. Yes, yes, they are. I I like what you said about the time frames because I think people have the idea that they should do it once a year. I don't know that that always happens. But um, you just can't remember everything that an employee does positive or uh, any other way uh, if you wait a whole year. So I love what you said about quarterly check-ins. And you really should keep some notes, shouldn't you, around uh, special things they do um, when they go the extra mile. I mean, anything that you can put in their file to jog your memory, that's important. Oh, definitely. And, um, you know, when sometimes I have, uh, I, you know, my business is, working with the employer, but as you can imagine, I have uh, many family and friends that are employees that come and, you know, ask me for help and advice. 
<clears throat> and one mm. of the things I do tell them is, you know, to write down those things that they do do. And so for the employer, it's um, it's the same. They should write little notes in that. And um, I actually um, think that employers should meet with their employees employees at least once a month. The supervisor should sit down, um, like we discussed earlier, and, you know, okay, how are things going? You know, anything you're having difficulty with? You know, where do you, you know, where do you want to go um, in this job? What can we help with? You know, really maintaining that um, contact and, you know, giving out um, Awards or recognition, thank. If you send somebody a thank you card or something, there should be a copy of that, you know, in their file so that you've got a complete picture when you go to do mm-hmm. that formal yearly evaluation. And that that's so important to me. One of the things that I hear out there a lot is that, oh my goodness, it's really tough to motivate millennials, and they're a group that's been identified as really wanting a lot of feedback about how they're doing. So this is becoming a more uh, critical aspect of being a supervisor or a manager to really um, play that role of, you know, somebody who can, as you said, not dress them down for doing something wrong, but really be in a position to encourage them and, you know, help them go where they want to go. I think that's so key. Oh, yes, very much so. Um, you know, we've got, you've got to have that whole team building concept and that we're we're in this together in order to be successful um, the boss that just uh is there to yell at people and put the people down and you know try and get uh, squeeze the the most out of them is uh really not um good for a company and um, one of the things that we do see sometimes in a little bit larger companies where you have um, a number of supervisors is that uh, someone will be picked as a supervisor or manager because of the length of time that they've been in the job and we advise that this is not how you select your managers and supervisors you really have to look at the people skills that that person has. They have to like people and and get along with people. They don't necessarily have to know everything. And a lot of times, you know, people are put in this position. they're, They're not sure what they're supposed to do. They're not comfortable. They don't want to be found out that they don't know everything. And so Mm -hmm. they just end up being... They end up being bullies and, you know, yelling at people, and they're miserable themselves, and the employees are miserable. You've, um, you've got to really make sure that uh, your managers and supervisors are, are the quality of people that you need, and you have to give them ongoing support also. Right, right. Yeah, because you mentioned hiring is very expensive, and um, you know, we've all heard the saying that people don't leave jobs, they leave their managers. And small yeah. businesses really can't afford to make mistakes because losing any of your, you know, knowledge base, having it walk out the door is, is a very expensive proposition. And 
when we talk about hiring, what do you see that small business owners make the biggest mistake they make in the actual hiring and onboarding process? You got to get people off on the right foot, don't you? Yes, you do. And I think, um, you know, number one thing is that they don't take a close look at um, what what really needs to be doing in in the work. Um, oftentimes an employer begins hiring their first employees and they hire them to do what the employer actually does best and or enjoys doing the most. And you need to really um, think about you know what you want to do and then what you don't want to do and hire people for the things that um, you you don't want to do. Find people that have different skills from you. A lot of people just hire people that are like themselves without looking mm-hmm. at at the job. And you know you have to think about what type of person the job needs and not the type of people that you like. Um, and you have to understand um, major personality types. Um, sometimes administering a personality test would help, like a DISC or a Myers-Briggs. Mm-hmm. And then on onboarding. Onboarding has to be done right. You've got to... Onboarding starts when you are interviewing. Um, If you want to start out on the right foot besides just having somebody sit in your office and talk, you know, talk to them, you should walk them around the facility and kind of give them an idea of what the atmosphere is like and, you know, where things are located. And, um, you know, and it's um, basically it's providing new hires with the skills and the knowledge they need for successful social integration into the company as well as learning the skills. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and that the, helps with... Oh, go ahead. Who are the go-to people? If you have a problem, who do you talk to about it? It's, you know, amazing to me when somebody new starts and they don't even get introduced around... People, sometimes people don't even know there is a new employee. That right. can happen. Yeah, that can happen. And it's you know, and I've even been into new jobs where they didn't tell you where the restroom was. Here's the desk. That could be critical. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, so definitely, you know, uh, familiarity where the you know where the lunchroom is, you know, where the restrooms are, what the protocol is for storing lunch in the refrigerator or, you know, where the microwaves are. All those things make a big difference. And also, you know, having the workspace ready and clear and set up. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. vital. Uh, It makes a person feel at home and that you're really expecting them. And I know, you know, it's quite often that you'll hire somebody and, you know, they may or may not show up the first day or they may be there a day or two and then take off, you know, because they got a better job. But you know what? 
if they've already got a name tag, you've got, you've got them hooked in a little bit um, to your company, and um, they start to feel that sense of obligation by making somebody feel at home from the minute they walk into the job. Right, and make them feel like you really want them to be there. You're excited they've joined your organization. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and, you know, we we suggest that uh, with the onboarding that you have a written set of protocols. You know what you want the employee to learn over, um, you know, the first 90 days that they're there and that you have a checklist so they know and you know and things can be reviewed if you have a system where you can set people up with a mentor or some kind of partner that can help with those things um, that goes a long way as well and um, I suggest that the manager should meet with new employees at least um, once a week for the first 90 days and just mm-hmm. keep checking in and uh, seeing how thing, things are going. And um, and again, the one-on-ones are, are essential. We've mentioned those before with the team members, making sure somebody is introduced to everyone. Right. Uh, you know, I've had, I've had the experience of being sat down in a cubicle and somebody, you know, will maybe introduce you to one person because they're in charge of training you and, you know, that's that's it. <laughs> you know, get, yeah. get introduced to the other people. Oh, wow. And first impressions are so important. So you want to oh, make a good first impression. That employee is, you know, still checking you out. They want to feel good about their decision. They want to feel like they did the right thing by accepting your offer. So it's critical that you make them feel welcome, isn't it? Right. Yes, it is. And if they're, you know, if they're a good catch, they probably had one or two other people out there, you know, looking at them and, um, you know, they might not have made the offer as soon as you did, but, you know, they might be hearing from somebody in a few days or a couple of weeks or so down the road, and you want to make sure that they feel that they belong, um, you know, if and when that other fo- that phone call comes from the other company. Right, absolutely. Well, let's take our final break, and when we come back, let's talk a little bit more about what you do at HR Engineers, and we'll be right back. Are you tired of playing small or earning less than you are worth? What could you accomplish if you were given the opportunity? If you want more, more influence, more impact, more income, and more success, then join me in my new program, Get Savvy, Secure, and Successful. Learn the skills and strategies you need to find the opportunities you want to put your real value out in the marketplace and maximize your earning power in your business or career. To learn more about the program, go to nancyokeefecoaching.com and look under our work in professional development. Welcome back. This is When Opportunity Knocks, and I'm here with Denise Noble. We're talking everything HR, and she's the founder of HR Engineers. 
Denise, what is the number one thing you help small businesses with in your company? Okay. Well, we like to say that we help employers sleep at night. And uh, we do that by providing HR management strategies to help them grow their businesses. Um, A lot of uh, managers, company owners, they're wearing so many hats that they just cannot juggle it all. And we like to help them find a way to keep compliant and to pull in best practices and... um, Take that, take that pressure off, um, and provide a, a sense of security and um, and protection with um, their companies. So that is um, pretty much, you know, what we try and do is let's get your ducks in a row so that you can spend time uh, growing your business rather than juggling all the balls and taking all the hits. So you, um, you're, the way I understood it from looking at your website, you really have a, a two-pronged approach. One is a consultative model where you help them with strategy and things like that. But then you also help them implement things uh, such as an employee handbook or uh, things like that. Can you talk a little bit about those services? Sure. Um, we tend to find where the employee needs where the employer needs the most help and we will pull together an employee handbook uh, we really that's pretty much where we start with everyone is making sure that they have the employee handbook and um, what I like to compare that to is if you're you know if you're a parent and you're used to having that list of chores on the fridge. It's so much easier. The kid hates the list. They don't hate you. <laughs> so yeah. having those written policies um, helps keep everything straight. And um, so we do that. We do, like I said, a lot of mentoring um, as well. We try and teach the employer some of the best ways to handle things. And um, we, you know, are as involved as the employer needs needs us to be. So mm-hmm. if it's putting together the handbook and then uh, we can come in and talk to the employees and introduce the handbook, um, we will do that. Or if it's um, a termination, we will talk to the employee and the employer and find out circumstances and we may you know, write the letter and tell the employer all the steps they need or we may come in and sit down with them um, while they uh, do the termination and coach them through that. So, And we're always keeping our clients up to date on the latest uh, changes in the employment law to make sure that they are up to date. So you, excuse me, you do some mentoring. It sounds like you also um, really do some outsourcing. So if they don't have a human resources professional and they're looking for some organization that they can offload some of these key things to, that would be something you could help with. Yes, it is. We 
um, we can provide so many hours of support a month or we can help with a specific project that uh, someone needs doing. One of the more popular things that um, we've had developing is uh, we will give um, our phone number out for the employer to give to their employees to uh, call us for um, little issues and that. So just like you'd have the HR person's office, you could drop into and blow off a little steam or ask a question um, or, you know, talk about a slightly personal issue and kind of figure out how that's going to impact your job. We're offering those services, and that's becoming quite popular. Employers will get a bank of hours from us that their employees can use for those purposes, and so it's a a few less headaches (laughs) that the employer has to deal with. That's a a great service, especially for the small office where, you know, it's a tight-knit group of people, and you might not want to share what you're thinking with people you have to work with every day. That's great. So, Denise, how can people find HR Engineers? Okay. Well, we're at on the web at thehrengineers.com. That's all one word, T-H-E-H-R-E-N-G-I-N-E-E-R-S.com. And our phone number is 508 785-4950 and we do offer um, a f- initial free consultation so the uh, usual thing is people you know, call me up, we talk a few minutes about uh, what their issue is and uh, you know what they're looking for in services and see if we can help them out and then we usually get together with them for about 45 minutes or so and talk in more detail. And those are all uh, complimentary. Oh, very nice. So we're coming up on the hour here. In our final few minutes together, what words of wisdom would you like to leave our small business owner and entrepreneurs listeners with today? Okay. I think um, to realize that your business is unique because you're unique and when you establish your business you've poured uh, your creativity and passion into it and in order for your business to continue to grow and to succeed you need to be free to keep doing just that and so give the jobs and responsibilities that get in your way to others and uh, I've got a little analogy here. Don't spend your time washing the dishes when your talent lies in seasoning the sauce and greeting your patrons personally. So if, nice. HR, concern, <laughs> if HR concerns are weighing you down, call us to help lighten the load. Awesome. Well, Denise, I want to thank you very much for being my guest today. This was all great information, and I enjoyed learning more about you and your business. And um, thanks for being on the show. All right. Well, thank you very much, Nancy, for having me as a guest, and I enjoyed talking with you today. And that's another episode of When Opportunity Knocks. Tune in next week, and we'll have another guest. 
and we'll talk about more opportunities for your small business. 